In the Smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe. Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the Barbecue Central Radio Show. It's really big, by the way. The really big show. Tuesday evening, happy to have you aboard here. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, better known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Happy to have you aboard here this evening for your outdoor live fire cooking and grilling and all that good stuff show. Plenty happening, by the way, so strap in. Hope you're ready for another great evening of fun and fabulosity as it relates to the world of outdoor live fire cooking. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Let me give you some contact information in case you want to jump in on the show tonight. 877-448-0433 is the number to call. Toll free, it's my dime. You got something to add, bring to the table. You have a review of something that you want to get off your chest. More than happy to hear it. 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you want at any point. Greg at the com is the way to do that. So there's your contact information. Here's what's happening on the show tonight. We're going to be joined by monthly guest Meathead Goldwyn from Amazing Ribs. He's got that huge website that he dabbles in, AmazingRibs.com, chock full of information. Of course, you'll recall last month we talked about hot wieners, and the month before that we talked about, what did we talk about the uh, the last time? I forget. It was so long ago now, two months uh, outside. I think we were uh, talking about how uh, barbecue didn't, fall under the same so well actually barbecue was the huge umbrella that everything else kind of fell underneath with that whole grilling thing so uh there you go we're gonna have craig on tonight sorry it's just meathead it's not craig that's my uh it's my bad right there very sorry we're gonna have meathead on in about 12 minutes from now we'll do our usual two segments and it will be great from there and it is a great site, by the way, if you've never seen Meathead's site, AmazingRibs.com. Really loaded loaded down, and I think it's one of the most heavily trafficked websites as it relates to barbecue and grilling. So uh, check him out. We're going to be talking about tonight, hamburgers. Follows well with hot dogs. Why not do hamburgers? So we're going to go over different types of hamburgers that Craig has encountered. We'll also get some tips from him as far as meat and size, how to prep it, all the mix-ins, whatnot. It'll be a fabulous time with Meathead, as it always is, each and every month that he joins us. Then we have the second hour of the show. Chris Lilly, the most recent winner of the Memphis in May contest, which took place this past weekend. He's a grand champion at that now. I believe that's the third time he's won it, now tied with Myron Mixon, if my memory serves me correctly. And we'll be talking to him uh, roughly 15, maybe 20 minutes and see what it's all going down. Of course, uh, we have the best in smoke thing that we might be able to uh, mention as well, and I'll get into that here in a second. And then we have Fred Gross joining us as well around 10.30 to talk about Mojo Bricks. If you haven't seen a Mojo Bricks, uh, well, Google Mojo Bricks. I believe the website is mojobricks.com, a compressed, how how else would you say it, a compressed brick of sawdust, so almost like, I guess, pellets to a certain degree but on a much bigger scale that you could fire your barbecues with or you're using your outdoor pit or maybe even heat a home or whatever. We're going to get all the information from Fred. So stay tuned for that next hour. There you go. All right. 
I've seen now two episodes because I missed the episode last week when we were doing the Barbecue Ribs Roundtable. This Best in Smoke show that's on the Food Network. So first of all, I think it's important for me to at least get out there up front that I appreciate the participants in the show. Well, at least five-sixths of them to a certain degree. Uh, But I I, I do appreciate the fact that there are, for the majority, barbecue people on television. However, I think the show fails. Just my opinion. I think the show fails at an alarming and miserable rate in many different facets. And again, I don't know if it necessarily really has anything to do with the competition. Well, not competition, but... The competitors, I mean, they're all good. I mean, obviously, look, here's one issue that I have with the show. How are you going to tell me in the first week of the show you have Chris Lilly going up against elimination against Sarah Horowitz, who is a reality TV show washout now two times over? Uh, Just because you're from Texas doesn't mean that barbecue is coursing through your veins, okay? Uh, Your catering company is failing probably because you're not very good at it, okay? So to be able to edge on to another television show, kind of grasping at straws, I'm not necessarily surprised that she got kicked off. But what I was surprised was is you have a barbecue guy like Chris Lee up against a limit. I don't know. It wouldn't have surprised me if in the first week it was famous Dave and Sarah Sarah Horowitz uh, against the elimination against each other, but it wasn't. It was Chris Lilly. Maybe that was more dramatic. Maybe something else happened in editing that we didn't get to see, but there's no way in everyday life that that would actually happen, and, and here it was on television. So I wasn't necessarily on board with that myself. What can I tell you? Uh, I was happy to see Sarah go. Um, I, I guess to a certain degree, happy to see you know Chris stay on per se. But uh, second week, I just got done watching the second week mere moments ago to see who was a guest on the show just a couple weeks ago and former Jack Daniels champion Chris Hart get eliminated. Um, I don't know. It, it's maybe I'm not getting enough out of the show. It's just. In my opinion, it's just not put together all that well. And I guess in a different perspective, it seems that they've taken, for the most part, a group of people who know how to barbecue uh, in some form or fashion, whether it be in the uh, restaurateur range or whether it be in the uh, competition side. There's a couple of competition cooks there, Chris Hart, obviously, and uh, Chris Lilly. But... In essence, it seems that they've – it'd be like taking football players and putting them on a basketball court or taking baseball players and putting them on a football field. It's not – this isn't what they do. So I've yet to find the enamoring, to me personally, on taking a bunch of people that are good at one thing and then putting them in a completely different situation. I'm not saying that they can't be good at it. It just seems very awkward to me that they're putting these – contests to test their chefdom and they're not chefs i'm sorry i mean i know ken hess is a chef and you know i know sarah horowitz was a trained chef to some degree 
But it's it, this is a barbecue show, and maybe it just continues to stem further into the fact that competition barbecue as a whole just isn't going to carry out a very exciting TV show. There'll be one more attempt in a couple weeks, Memorial Day weekend. It'll be John Marcus's turn to kind of reinvent if barbecue television is going to be sustainable week after week, if it's going to draw us in. Maybe, just maybe, for all of the naysayers that really didn't like Barbecue Pitmasters won for whatever reason, but then we're clamoring at how bad season two was. And this Best in Smoke, to me, could never show up again on the television. And again, this has nothing to do with the people that I've talked to on the show or that are out on the competition scene. This has nothing to do with them. This is purely me as a spectator watching the Food Network try and give us barbecue on television. It couldn't be anything less than what is actually happening or what they're actually doing on a weekend in, weekend out circuit. And Matt Lang, bro, it's called charisma. It's called personality. Look at the cam- He won't even look at the camera when he's talking to people. He's all, he couldn't seem more unenthused about being asked about what he's doing. On It's all part of the process, bro. I'm saying you hate kids on television on a major cable network probably isn't going to help you track well with the 30-plus-year-olds uh, uh, and the demo that they're looking to bring in. Well, Unless you're going for the heel aspect. I don't know. Uh, That's just me. So I think the show, as it was put together, just isn't that good. It's just not. I'm not finding a lot of excitement in it. Um, I don't know. could be me. And I don't like the judges at all. Sorry to to Amy Mills. Sorry to the the James Beard guy. Um, (laughs) And then Mr. Love or Dr. Love or... Kevin Love, the three-point shooter from, uh, you know, the basketball, whatever. They're not, I don't know, I just don't find anything appealing about the show. And this is all I can say. I'm sorry. Hopefully, my guest next week, John Marcus, will be able to, to step the game up a little bit when it comes to competition barbecue on, uh, on television. Maybe not. Maybe competition barbecue is just meant to be out off of television altogether, never to be seen by the masses on broadcast networks. It's not good. I don't like it. Sorry. All right, gang, quick reminder about my good friend Stephen DeFranco over here in the beautiful, historic downtown of Willoughby, Ohio. Jeweler to the stars, and by that I mean the barbecue competition stars. Look, when you're styling down the lane trying to pick up your trophy for that category call or for the reserve or overall grand championship, Don't leave your wrist naked. No, hook it up with a fine watch, a Bolivar or a Citizens or a Phillips and Company cottage watch made right here on the west side of Cleveland. Steve will hook you up. Go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network homepage. Scroll down, click on the Stephen DeFranco jeweler, and then call in after you've perused all the watches when you find one you like. Call in for your best barbecue brother and sister discount. Talk to Steve himself. Demand to talk to Steve because he'll get on the phone with you. He'll give you a price you won't believe. It'll be outstanding. Again, go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network homepage. Click on the Stephen DeFranco Jewelers banner and take it from there. We're going to come back with Meathead right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show.
Barbecue Institute classes are taught by Grand Champion Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins. They cover everything from choosing the meat and the cooker to smoking from start to eating. Thousands of our graduates use the knowledge and techniques we teach them for reliably impressing in the backyard and competitive success. We share with you the insider knowledge to meat buying that along with our award-winning sauce and rub recipes will save you the cost of the class many times over. After you take our classes, you'll understand why techniques work and why some advice on the Internet does not. Visit BBQClass.com today. The future of barbecue is already here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient, temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose. Make ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. TheBarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a three-bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at thebarbecueguru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. Forget going from site to site to get all of your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by eggheads and carries all the parts and accessories for the Big Green Egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Fred's is the pellet grill superstore with grills in stock from Traeger, Green Mountain, and country smokers from Louisiana Grills. Fred's also carries smokers from Cook Shack, Bradley, and Weber, as well as a full line of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new smoker or grill you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue or grilling experience a success fred is also the creator and distributor of tasty licks barbecue products including their great line of rubs spices and sauces you gotta try them and you can also get your hands on a full lineup of marinades accessories lump charcoal wood chips pellets chunks and even the great grilling tools from Stephen reichland of barbecue you fame check out fred on the web at fred's music and or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful shillington pa Introducing Cosmos Q. Cosmos Q injections and marinades use only the finest ingredients, and they mix easily, never clotting or caking. From our beef injection to our pork injection, you're guaranteed to wow your friends, family, and judges. And don't forget to check out our Cosmos Chicken Soak for that moist and tender chicken you're going to love. And don't forget about Cosmos' new pork soak and rubs. <laughs> <clears throat> you can find us at CosmosQ.com. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back to the show. This portion being brought to you by Yoder's Smoky Mountain Barbecue, the leading online retailer of Meadow Creek barbecue equipment. Their barbecue smokers and grills handcrafted in the Amish country of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, helping you enjoy easy and profitable barbecues for years to come. Visit SeriousBBQs.com for more information. Also, you can visit their website to opt in on some great barbecue tips and emails, all that stuff. SeriousBBQs, because it's plural, BBQS.com. Don't forget, 
We have Chris Lilly coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Also, Fred Gross talking about the uh, Mojo Bricks. Mojo Bricks. Got to love the Mojo Bricks. So stay tuned for that. So uh, let's go ahead and race over to Hotline. We'll bring up monthly guests talking about hamburgers tonight. It's Meathead. Meathead, how are you, buddy? Meathead. Wait a second here. Meathead, how are you? I'm fine, Greg. How's the Cleveland Cavalier of barbecue? <laughs> Wait a second. I think you've just insulted me in high fashion. Um, Craig, before we get into hamburgers, I'm sure you've been watching this Best in Smoke uh, television show, and I did a little opening rant on it. I'm not a fan of the format, and again, it's never anything against the competitors because I always like to see the people that I'm talking to or the people that I get to read about on various forums on the big screen, if you will. But the format is bad. Maybe some of the competitors should have been passed over. The judging is horrible. It's like, to me, basketball players being put on a baseball field and saying, go play baseball. What do you think? What's your overall take very briefly? Well, you know me, I'm always the contrarian, but I agree with you 100% right now. I, it just, there's something low value to the productions, too. I mean, they're standing in a ratty field with sand <laughs> patches and uh, uh, shirt tails all hanging out, and it looks slapped together. And uh, um, I've talked to a couple of the folks, and uh, they say that there was a lot of rule changing on the fly, and... Uh, Ah, I just hope Marcus can do better. I know Marcus can do better. I, 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 and you may have made a point. You know, there's been discussion last week, I think it was on your show, about how barbecue on the air is good for barbecue and gets people interested. But you may be right. It may just not be a spectator sport. Um, among other things, I'm not learning anything. You know, they have all these great cooking shows. Uh, I, even Iron Chef, I learned some technique and some interesting food combinations. There's no drama. There's no cooking technique. Uh, it's not working for me either. I, it, you know, if anybody can figure it out, Marcus can. He's tried 16 different varieties, and I talked to him about his upcoming show, and he seems to think he's got it. Uh, in the bullseye this time let's hope he has yeah and i guess the only problem that i foresee or the only hurdle as we talk about it preemptively before it airs is the fact it's only it's a one-shot deal for him it's only a one show it's not four shows it's not six weeks like some of the pitmasters have been it's kind of make it or break it uh, one call closing type deal well i think he's he has characterized it to me as as a um a pilot of sorts that if they like it they might pick it up for for, for further shows don't know where that's going to go from there. All right. Uh, Meathead talking to us here tonight, and we'll switch subjects back to the task at hand, which it was hot dogs last month. It's burgers this month. Craig, <laughs> or Meathead, being We're a historian as you are. Yeah, and we, I mean, two months of slumming it. Who cares? Uh, what can you tell us? Who doesn't us? love hot dogs and hamburgers? Uh, exactly. Everybody's favorite fare when it comes to the grill. You think about barbecues. A lot of people think hot dogs and hamburgers. So, uh, Meathead, being the historian you are, can you give us kind of the background about hamburgers, where they've kind of come from, and then we'll talk about some of your favorite burgers after that. Well, well you know, hamburgers really are in many, many ways the ultimate American meal. Hot dogs are derived from the sausages of Europe. 
the uh, American hot dog probably came something like it from Vienna. Uh, but the hamburger really kind of grew from uh, the Salisbury steak, uh, Dr. Salisbury, I think it was his name. Um, it was developed as a digestive aid to help people who couldn't chew and couldn't digest properly. Um, but it, it, you know, I mean, with the national burger chains that have spread to Europe, I mean, could anything be more all-American than the um, American hamburger? And as we discussed when we were talking about hot dogs last week or last month, I travel a lot, and, and, I, and when I travel, I hit the hot dog joints, I hit the burger joints, I try to find the local uh, regional styles. It's interesting, though. Burgers are different than hot dogs. Hot dogs really have a distinctive regional style. You know, we talked about the Cleveland hot dog and the Chicago hot dog and the New York hot dog, which are really very distinct and different, and people really root for their home team Hamburgers are really not so regional. They're, um, I think that's a function of these big chains, which have sort of globalized and homogenized hot dogs all over. But um, there are some distinctive styles that the burgologist in me has tried to suss out, and I've tried to create a taxonomy of the, the different styles of hamburger and I'm not just talking about the toppings because you make a burger and anybody can throw any kind of, kind of toppings on it but I, I've tried to distill it down I think I'm somewhere around eight, 12 or 14 different styles of burger now all right so give us some of the more popular or at least uh, ones that you find fascinating as far as regional burgers are concerned styles well as I say they're not they're not so much regional as they are because you'll find for example a steakhouse burger in every city you'll find a diner burger in any city mm-hmm. um, you'll find patty melts in any city right. you'll find uh, juicy Lucy's and stuffed burgers anywhere so these are kind of styles of burger that the burger cook can emulate um, and 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 there are some techniques we can talk about a little later if you want to getting these different burgers done properly because sure. it, they pose a cooking issue the cooking problem What's what's Did a cooking problem? No, I was going to say we'll definitely get into the technique and all that other stuff uh, next segment. But as far as some of these, you know, specialty burgers, for instance, uh, steakhouse steak burgers. Well, I mean, you know, for me, that's where it's at. That's the one I wake up sweating in the middle of the night, visualizing, <laughs> hovering over my head, dripping on me. Um, in my mind, a steakhouse burger is eight ounces. Now, you can push it down to six if you want, but there's a big fat burger. It's about an inch thick, um, and uh, it's usually really juicy, and it, it's a cooking issue. It's a cooking problem because if you cook it too hot, it shrinks up into a hockey puck. Um, if you cook it too cool, um, you never get the brown crust that you need. So there's some technique here, and there's also this issue, and we can talk more about the safety issue. I mean, a good steakhouse burger needs to be pink to reddish in the center, um, or a lot of people like it that way, I should say. And there's some serious health issues in doing that now. Um, And the E. coli 157 uh, is just everywhere, and uh, we have to be concerned about eating rare burgers. Uh, It's it's not a trivial thing to get sick from a, a burger. The diner burger, on the other hand, is is something else altogether. The diner burger is the complete opposite polar. That's 
quarter pound or less. I mean, they go down to two ounces, half of a quarter pounder, and they're thin. And they're usually cooked on a griddle, on a uh, on a uh, flat top, on right. a hot metal surface uh, uh, at about 350. And uh, you really work hard to get that Maillard reaction on the surface, the brownish searing, um, uh, and forget about getting them pink in the center. That's almost impossible to do. <laughs> You know, I wanted to back up for a second, Meathead, when you were talking about the safety issue. And I think it's important that maybe we do spend a few minutes talking about it because, for instance, I've always heard that if it's ground meat, then you definitely want to cook it to a certain temperature to make sure you're within a a clear safety range that you could potentially getting into sickness, uh, E. coli, whatever. But then I heard if you took... Like a steak meat, for instance, you ground your own and you almost like fine wine and vintage. You knew where it came from. You were able to cook it to a medium rare burger and that you would be safe. What is the exact, this is okay, this is not okay? Well, I happen to be married to one of the top-ranking microbiologists and food safety experts for the Food and Drug Administration. So she's got me straight on this. And when I was doing all my burger testing and my burger experimenting, she, uh, she, I had the FDA looking over my shoulder. So <laughs> I, I happen to know fairly well what the deal is. The deal is, is E. coli 0157H7 and maybe a couple of other strains that are really virulent, really nasty bugs. Uh, they're bacteria, and uh, uh, they come from fecal matter in the cow, and they can get on the surface of the meat mm-hmm. when the cow is butchered. Uh, if the gut is split open, or even when the cow is in the um, slaughterhouse yard, um, fecal matter gets on the uh, hide, and that can get into the meat with the knife cuts. Um, if you take a steak and you throw it on the grill, you kill any bug that uh, that ever lived there almost instantly in the heat. This, this bug's fairly heat sensitive and pretty easy to kill. But once you start grinding it up, any bugs that are on the surface get pushed down into the middle. Right. And you need to get them up to the 160 range, roughly, um, to uh, to nuke them. Now, it's a what what's not understood is it's a re, it, it, it's it. it, it you can kill them. At, they start dying at as low as 130. But at 130, it takes almost two hours to kill all the bugs in a burger. Wow. Um, at, at 145, this is, it takes only three to four minutes to kill all the bugs. Um, at 160, they're dead in you know just a matter of seconds. So the, if you want a, a, a rare burger... Um, you can actually cook it at a low, t- like sous vide, which is putting it in a water bath in a sealed container. We'll talk. That's another subject. But um, there, there is another way that um, Harold McGee, the food scientist and uh, columnist at the Washington Post, has recommended, and this actually works. It doesn't help just to know the source of the meat, make sure it's fresh and that your butcher is clean because E. coli can be on the surface of anything. But if you take, like, for example, a piece of chuck and get a pot of boiling water going Mm -hmm. and dip that steak in the boiling water for about 20 seconds is all, pull it out. You'll gray the exterior. But it's a very, very small matter of the meat that's turned gray. Now you throw it in your grinder. You've got sterile meat. Hmm. 
Hmm. Now you can eat it as close to rare as you want it. Simple as that. Uh, and you're safe. Grind it yourself, but sterilize it first by dunking it in hot water. This is now, this is what Dr. Uh, McGee says. And, uh, uh, you know, I haven't done the research on it, nor has my wife. She won't sign off on this. In fact, if she heard me, she's, she's not listening. No, you're good. I can see right behind Actually, you. You're okay, fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you see where? <laughs> but, uh, um, so that, that is a, a safety issue, and particularly for young people and elderly people in the family, it's not worth risking the kind of things that can happen to you once that bug gets running around in your system are really scary, and people who get it die. Um, this is not just getting on your hands and knees in front of the toilet. It can cause renal failure, all kinds of stuff. So if you have to have a rare burger, either use the sous vide method or sterilize the meat and grind it yourself. All right, so what do you think, Meathead? And we're talking with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. In your personal opinion, how would you, how do you like to have your burger cooked? What do you think the best tasting in an overall encompassing uh, flavor profile is? Is it a medium rare burger? Is it a medium burger? Is it depending on how well, big it is and what style you're choosing? Yeah, I like a medium rare myself, but you know, it's an interesting question. We know. That when it comes to a steak, a steak is, is is it's proven most tender and most juicy in the medium rare to medium or, or to rare range. That uh, when you start getting up into the medium and beyond range, it starts to dry out and it starts to get chewier. And they can measure this with uh, uh, shear devices that measure the shear. I guess like the gizmos that measure wind shear and stuff. But <laughs> um, they, they can measure all this. But a burger is pre-chewed. It's been ground. It's pulverized. So it's not a tenderness issue. In fact, you can make great burgers from tough cuts of meat, like um, short ribs. Short ribs make great burgers. Um, they're really chewy on their own, but uh, once you grind them up, they're, they're tender. Um, they are more juicy when on the rarer side, because juices tend to dry out uh, the higher you cook. So um, uh, I, I like to see them. I, I like to take, I cook, look, I'm one of these obsessive uh, guys that has a really, really good digital instant read thermometer in my pocket when I'm cooking, one second read, a thermopen, and I use it on burgers. Um, I, and I like to get them off in the 130 range 125 to 130 range. They'll go up another few degrees after they come off. But um, I sterilize them and grind them myself. And uh, uh, and grinding yourself makes an awful lot of sense because the freshness of the beef is a factor in the quality. Mm -hmm. um, or you can have your you can have your grocer grind it for you. It's just that you still run that risk of contaminating contamination getting pushed down in. But if you've got um, um, a food processor, you can actually grind it in a food processor. Uh, cut, you you want to cut it into half inch or so chunks, throw them in the freezer for about 20 or 30 minutes so they get stiff, and then drop them in your food processor and pulse them for four or five seconds at a time, uh, and you can get a pretty good grind that way. Meathead, out of all of these specialty type burgers that you've listed for us to talk about, and there's easily you know twelve, fourteen that I'm looking at, which ones would you suggest people get a hold of that might be outside of the arena of something that we would normally consider to be a burger of some type? Oh well, there there's some really fun ones out there. I mean, 
Um, last trip, you mentioned Memphis in May. Uh, Chris Silly, I, I didn't I hadn't heard he won it. Congratulations yep. to Chris. What a guy. Right on Beale Street in, um, in, in Memphis um, is a place called Dyer's Burger. They deep fry it. They have a vat of burger grease wow. that has been kept there for years. Now, some <laughs> of it gets lost in the process and replenished. But they, when they moved the building or they moved their, the, the restaurant from one building to another, they actually took the vat of grease and put it in the back of a, of a armored car and moved it across town. And the mayor was there to greet them with this treasured grease, which they <laughs> deep fry their burgers in and eat. And when you want a cheeseburger, they just lay a, a slice of cheese on top. I've got a picture of it on my website uh, in an article called uh, the taxonomy of burgers. Uh, it's quite a sight to see. Uh, uh, you know, and, and another kind of burger, which is really interesting, which everybody knows, is, is the White Castle Slider. And by the way, it's correctly spelled S-L-Y-D-E-R. All right, duly um, noted. And it's a steamed burger. Um, if, you, if you ever watch the process, really fascinating. They start by throwing diced onion down on the griddle. And then the burger sits on top of the onion. It never really touches the griddle. Now, every other diner burger is cooked right on the griddle so you can get that brown surface. But this is a little tiny square, two and a half inches square. Um, and so they, they lay the burger on top of the onions. And the, and the burger has five holes poked in it so that the steam from the onions will rise up through the burger and season the burger. And then they lay the bun on top of that to capture the steam. And there's no attempt to toast the burger or the bun or anything. There's no flipping. Um, so it's really a steamed piece of meat. Um, the, the, the other great steamed burger, I was just in Connecticut uh, about last month, and I, I made the pilgrimage um, uh, to Ted's. Um, Ted's famous steam cheeseburg, um, is an amazing, uh, burger. It's actually very good. It's done. You remember the old aluminum ice trays, right? It's like a little shallow tray. It's about three inches square. Um, and, uh, he puts the ground meat in these little shallow aluminum trays and locks the door. It looks like one of these, uh, a, a little tiny version of a backwoods smoker, uh, but it's a steamer. And he puts these slabs of beef in the, in the trays, closes the door. All the juices stay right in the tray right. until he pulls them out. And then he pours the juices off and he steams the cheese too. And he pours the cheese over the top. And it's surprisingly tasty, even though there's almost no browning of the exterior. It goes against everything that we hear about searing all the time. We're talking with Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about meat to use when we're making burgers, sizes, how to prep it, some mix-ins in case you want to get a little crazy with it. We'll cover any safety techniques that we haven't already, and then uh, some cooking techniques as well if we can fit it in. So lots to get to here. Also, I want to give a special mention to my man Paul Huff for hooking me up with a sweet-ass T-shirt from Gone Hogan. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate the outfit. I think that brings my barbecue T-shirt total up to 758000 I'll be donating to homeless countries very soon. All right, we're going to go back. 
hit some commercials, and then it's back with Meathead after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Network. Barbecue Institute classes are taught by Grand Champion Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins. They cover everything from choosing the meat and the cooker to smoking from start to eating. Thousands of our graduates use the knowledge and techniques we teach them for reliably impressing in the backyard and competitive success. We share with you the insider knowledge to meat buying that along with our award-winning sauce and rub recipes will save you the cost of the class many times over. After you take our classes, you'll understand why techniques work and why some advice on the Internet does not. Visit BBQClass.com today. The future of barbecue is already here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. TheBarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a three-bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at thebarbecueguru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. Forget going from site to site to get all of your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by eggheads and carries all the parts and accessories for the Big Green Egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Fred's is the pellet grill superstore with grills in stock from Traeger, Green Mountain, and country smokers from Louisiana Grills. Fred's also carries smokers from Cook Shack, Bradley, and Weber, as well as a full line of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new smoker or grill, you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue or grilling experience a success. Fred is also the creator and distributor of Tasty Licks barbecue products, including their great line of rubs, spices, and sauces. you got to try them. And you can also get your hands on a full lineup of marinades, accessories, lump charcoal, wood chips, pellets, chunks, and even the great grilling tools from Stephen Reichlin of Barbecue Ufame. Check out Fred on the web at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful Shillington, PA. Introducing Cosmos Q. Cosmos Q injections and marinades use only the finest ingredients, and they mix easily, never clotting or caking. From our beef injection to our pork injection, you're guaranteed to wow your friends, family, and judges. And don't forget to check out our Cosmos Chicken Soak for that moist and tender chicken you're going to love. And don't forget about Cosmos new pork soak and rubs. <laughs> <clears throat> you can find us at CosmosQ.com and select retailers across the nation for quality injections. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Coming up on 20 minutes till the top of the hour, this portion of the show being brought to you by the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices, not to mention a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. 
Two ways to find them on the internet. The BBQ Guru, G-U-R-U, thebbqguru.com. You can call them toll-free at 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Coming up, 10.05 tonight is Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's and then Fred Gross from Mojo Bricks as well. But let's go ahead and pick our conversation back up. We're talking hamburgers with Meathead. Meathead, we uh, left off talking about the different styles of burgers that you fancy, but let's go ahead and get into it a little bit more as far as the kind of meat that you want to use, and then there's always that very hotly contested and controversial aspect as far as meat ratio to fat ratio. What do you think? (laughs) Well, um, I, I think a huge amount of the flavor comes from the fat, not surprising. We know that's true in most every kind of uh, meat, but it's not just the fat content. It's what happens to the fat when it gets really hot. The fat changes, the molecular structure changes. And it's not just the marbleization in the steak or the fat in a burger. It's when that surface browns, the effect it has on the fat. And you want to get it right to the edge of burned, but not burned. Burned meat is a carbon, and carbon doesn't taste very good. And it also is where the possible compounds that have been implicated in causing cancer and grilling are, I mean, basically, if you cook properly, you're not at any risk for cancer. But if you burn and char and blacken your food, there is some... Uh, evidence that that's uh, the acrylamides build up, but if you can get your 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 fats right uh, uh, to the edge of uh, uh, as dark and that surface as dark as humanly possible without going black, you build a layer of on the exterior of texture crunch. Uh, you build Maillard effect, the browning effect. You build uh, all those um, uh, caramelizations. And the uh, the flat fat. So I'm an 80-20 guy, um, maybe even 70-30, which is 70, 70% lean, 30% fat, or 80% lean to 20% fat. A lot of people go 5% because they're worried about their waste. Um, you're just not going to get all that flavor. You're going to get a nice beefy burger, but it's going to be on the drier side. So on those rare occasions when you're going to make yourself a steakhouse burger, Get yourself a piece of chuck, which normally is going to be in the 80-20 range, and grind that up. But never, ever buy anything in the grocery store that's labeled hamburger or ground beef, because that's lips and (laughs) a-holes. And it's whatever else is left over. It can be anything. It's just trimmings. It's hunks of fat from anywhere, anyhow. Anything can be in those two pieces of meat. And in some cases, it's permissible to sterilize it by treating it with ammonia. Ammonia? Mm, ammonia. Oh, my gosh. It's a, it is an approved process. And, of course, that's the stuff that goes in your kids' school lunch is the lowest grade of ground meat ground beef and hamburger 
and there's a very high likelihood it's been a, it's in the USDA regs. It's there. This is nothing hidden. It's well known. It's a uh, it, it, it's a sterilization process, ammonia treated. Um, so get yourself a piece of beef. You know, steak is steak. Meat is meat. I mean, when you come to go grilling a steak, there are certain cuts that you want to select. But when it comes to grinding, the meat itself doesn't have this vastly different flavor, whether you choose chuck or brisket, mildly different, but it's, it, it, it's really the grinding and the cooking that, that, uh, that are, and, the, and the seasonings that you give it, they're going to influence the flavor more than the cut. Brisket is a really good cut to work with, and especially if you're going for that 80-20 blend or 70-30 blend, you got all that fat up there. You can just grind it right in. In fact, when I'm cooking briskets, I will often slice off some of that fat and ball it up and stick it in the freezer and just keep it on hand for when I'm doing burgers and I feel like I want a little more fat ground in, go into the freezer, pull out that brisket fat, grind it right in. Wow. Or when I'm doing um, a diner burger, a skinny burger, and I'm throwing it you know, on top of the griddle on a grill or even in a frying pan, I will oil the pan with melted beef fat. Um, I even use it when I do steaks, too. Uh, I paint my steaks with melted beef fat. Meathead joining but, us here on the show talking about burgers. Meathead, what about this When as you're forming the patty? Is, is the meat have to be at a certain temperature? And then, of course, I've always seen people doing this little thumb indentation down in the center yeah, so it doesn't the dimple, like bubble up. Yeah, the famous up. dimple. What is that all about? Um, well, you... you, 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 you um, you don't want to smush it all together if you're making a big fat burger. Those little pockets in the center is where juices will build up. So when I mix, I, first of all, I don't mix in a lot of flavorings. The world comes in two schools. Um, uh, throw everything but the kitchen sink in there. Um, but that's meatloaf to me. Um, for a burger, I go really simple. Maybe some onion, uh, dried onion powder, some dried... Um, garlic powder, some black pepper, no salt. I don't put the salt on the inside. Um, uh, uh, there's some evidence, really good um, uh, research project uh, done by uh, uh, one of the cooks over at Cooks Illustrated. Uh, he runs a section called the Burger Lab uh, on, um, uh, what is it? Uh, I forget the website that he's on. I'm drawing a blank. Kenji uh, is his name. And Kenji did a really interesting test where he demonstrated that if you mix the salt in with the burger, it, it makes it a little mushier. Um, so, but I put plenty of salt. I just put it on the exterior. Uh, but you, you fluff it, if you can, with a fork rather than beat the snot out of it and make it into a, into a <laughs> patty. Make it into a ball first and then flatten it down into your patty. Um, and... Um, uh, just keep the handling down to a minimum. If you want to punch with your thumb a little dimple in the center, the theory is is that it bulges and swells up, but not the way I cook it. it, it it's going to bulge and swell up in the center if you cook it too hot because the exterior is cooking fast and shrinking and squeezing all the stuff in the middle until it bulges out. I'm a real big fan of reverse sear on big fat burgers. You can't do it on little skinny burgers. But reverse sear, the concept is, is I'll take my grill, I'll push all the coals off to one side, I'll put the burger on the um, indirect side, 
and try to cook it down around our favorite temp, around 225, because I know how to set up a grill to get 225, as do. Of course. And I, I've, I'll just let her sit there for about 15, 20 minutes. I'll check that thing with my thermometer. And when it gets to about 115, I swing into action. I pull that baby right over the coals. In fact, on my Weber kettle, I'll raise the coal grate up with a couple of bricks Mm-hmm. So the coals are right below the surface, an inch below the meat. And I'll get that meat on there. And it, we're talking one or two minutes is all it takes to get that exterior the right color. But we're now not cooking it over the hot flame for 15 minutes so that we're getting a thick band of dark, then a thin band of brown, then a thin <laughs> band of pink, and only a little tiny thin band the way we want it. Right. If you cook it indirect and then move it over the high heat, you're going to get the same color all through the center, and you'll get the exterior. Whenever you're cooking steaks and burgers, remember, you have a two-part problem, the exterior and the interior, and you got to cook them separately. Well, and the reverse sear is getting a lot of love here on the instant chat as we look at the Ustream side of things. Lots of people jumping in saying that, the reverse sear is one of their favorite ways to cook, and I think the majority of us are cooking reverse sear on steaks, as you would mention, but really probably haven't mm-hmm. thought about doing it with the burgers, which certainly makes a lot of sense to me. In general, Meathead, what do you think the best temperature to cook hamburgers are? Because a lot of people aren't going to go take the time to bank off to one side and do the indirect and then the direct. Best overall in general temperature to do burgers? Um well, my artifact kicks in around 325, so you want to get up over there so you get good browning. So in the 325 to 350 will get you your best surface browning without getting too hot. And in fact, if you do as I do and you sit behind the counter at um, uh, burger restaurants to cook on a griddle, um, uh, you know, places like Steak and Shake and other places that make pretty good griddled burgers, you'll sure. see that that knob is set for 325 to 350 most of the time. Any reason, because when you're looking at sometimes chicken and steak and some of these other things that we're grilling, everybody's talking about the handsome crosshatch of grill marks and all of this stuff. Burgers, Uh are you concerned Uh with grill marks on burgers? Are you not because you might be topping them with some type of cheese or something else might be covering up? Are we trying to effort in the best way possible regardless of final presentation? Well, my theory on grill marks is this. Um, One of the reasons we like grill marks is it's a really good dark part of the skin that has lots of flavor and crunch. But for every grill mark, there's the interstices, the space between the grill marks that's not dark and flavorful and done. So in my book, I want the whole surface to be that same dark color. So when I, I love, I love me my grill grates and I use them for a lot of things. But when it comes to burgers and steaks, I use the skinniest wire grates I can find. And I keep moving that meat around so that there aren't grill marks so that I get the whole surface as dark brown as possible. And that's also where the fat starts to do its wonderful, marvelous, flavorful thingies. Do you have any idea, because I've had now four people ask me in the instant chat, where the term hamburger has come from? Any idea where that term's derived? Um, yeah, the, 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 it's almost certainly from Hamburg, Germany. Um, uh, but the burger, it, it does, I don't believe, was invented over there. 
Um, its origin is, it's a little gray. There's a couple of really good books on the subject. Um, and I'm not uh, up to snuff on all the history of the hamburger, but I believe Dr. Salisbury uh, uh, during the Civil War was the guy who really um, did the most with ground burger, ground beef. Um, in fact, in my research, I found an article dated January 10, 1885. I'm looking at it now um, uh, about, from a, a student of Dr. Salisbury's about his methods to treat wounded soldiers. Um, but the, the first burger served in this country, known as a hamburger, um, was probably served um, uh, at Louis Lunch in New Haven, Connecticut, and it's still there. I was just there last month, and this place is a trip. He broils the burger with open flame, and the burgers go in it's like if you took two tennis rackets and you hinged them at the top, you know, mm -hmm. one of those little gizmos that they use for fish and stuff. He has those guys and he slips them in this vertical um, uh, broiler and uh, makes a pretty darn good burger. But it's just a trip. The place is packed. It's been there since um, uh, uh, 1885, 1895, I think. Uh, 1895. Um, it's a real trip. Uh, there, there are some other claims to having invented the burger sooner. A guy in, uh, named Charlie, Hamburger Charlie Negreen in Wisconsin. And we'll never find out for sure, but uh, Louis' lunch is still there. And they serve it the way they always have on toasted white bread. Toasted white bread, just the way um, I like to have my toast in the morning. Uh, Meathead, in case anybody wants to have a little bit more burger history or, or any other thing <laughs> that you have going on, give us your website one more time. Well, it's amazingribs.com. I got a big section on burger, but I'm not done with it. I'm trying to develop recipes for all these classic styles, like the uh, Ted's cheese, steamed cheeseburg. Um, I've got a bunch of recipes up there already. I haven't finished the, my history of burgers yet or the Salisbury steak recipe, but uh, uh, if you go in there and uh, hang out or sign up for my newsletter, I announce whenever I finish articles in my newsletter. All right, so it's a work in progress, but definitely a lot of stuff just on AmazingRibs.com anyway, whether it's barbecue stuff or grilling stuff or uh, however you think that barbecue falls under grilling or it doesn't. It doesn't matter because we like to argue about that stuff all the time. Are you going to start that again? Absolutely not. It's Meathead Goldwyn. <laughs> we uh, talk every month, and uh, next month uh, Meathead will probably try and, and make an effort to get into maybe a little bit more barbecue-related topics. I know there's some things going on with the KCBS and judging and stuff that you would like to get off on, and I'm certainly more than happy to how's you on that so we will uh, set up an agenda and we will see you again in june and congratulations for getting through a whole segment without any sexual in innuendo i know i was just wondering where the new catchphrase is going to be but man where's all the dirty jokes next month i promise i swear to god all right there he is he's craig goldwyn we know him as meathead and we love when he talks to us about all that great stuff uh burger stuff yeah I'm, i have to say it's so crazy we get through a whole segment. I'm sorry, two segments and not, well, Meathead, I got to tell you. There might have been one thing in the very beginning when you're talking about big, juicy burger dripping on your head. I'm sure if I tried hard enough, I could construct something double entendre-ish. Anyway, Meathead Goldwyn can be found at AmazingRibs.com. It is a tremendous resource 
So we will step away real quick. We'll come back with some closing thoughts here in the first hour, and then we'll gear up for Chris Lilly at 10.05, and then Fred Gross at 10.30 talking about Mojo Bricks. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Barbecue Institute classes are taught by Grand Champion Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins. They cover everything from choosing the meat and the cooker to smoking from start to eating. Thousands of our graduates use the knowledge and techniques we teach them for reliably impressing in the backyard and competitive success. We share with you the insider knowledge to meat buying that along with our award-winning sauce and rub recipes will save you the cost of the class many times over. After you take our classes, you'll understand why techniques work and why some advice on the Internet does not. Visit BBQClass.com today. The future of barbecue is already here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. TheBarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a three-bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at thebarbecueguru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. Forget going from site to site to get all of your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by eggheads and carries all the parts and egg accessories for the Big Green Egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Fred's is the pellet grill superstore with grills in stock from Traeger, Green Mountain, and country smokers from Louisiana Grills. Fred's also carries smokers from Cook Shack, Bradley, and Weber, as well as a full line of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new smoker or grill, you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue or grilling experience a success. Fred is also the creator and distributor of Tasty Licks barbecue products, including their great line of rubs, spices, and sauces. you got to try them. And you can also get your hands on a full lineup of marinades, accessories, lump charcoal, wood chips, pellets, chunks, and even the great grilling tools from Stephen Reichlin of Barbecue Ufame. Check out Fred on the web at fredsmusicandbarbecue.com or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful Shillington, PA. Introducing Cosmos Q. Cosmos Q injections and marinades use only the finest ingredients, and they mix easily, never clotting or caking. From our beef injection to our pork injection, you're guaranteed to wow your friends, family, and judges. And don't forget to check out our Cosmos Chicken Soak for that moist and tender chicken you're going to love. And don't forget about Cosmos' new pork soak and rubs. <laughs> <clears throat> you can find us at Cosmos. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, back at it. One minute till the top of the hour. Thanks again to who Meathead Goldwyn for joining me. AmazingRibs.com is his website. We were talking about everything that has to do with hamburgers. It was outstanding. 
different styles of hamburgers. There was also talk of, uh, in, in my estimation, very important stuff in regards to safe cooking techniques. If you're going to be using your, if you're going to be grinding your own, how to sanitize the meat, all that great stuff. So a wealth of information dispersed here over the last two segments. And thanks again to Meathead for doing that as he has now been doing each and every month. Tuesdays is tough for him now, so I appreciate him making the uh, the time for me. So we'll step away and we'll get into the second hour right now. Hello everybody, this is Gary Bay, Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, and this is BBQ Second. From my heart and from my hand, why don't people understand my intention? Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate 54 wieners. But listen, Laverne, you shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole the movie. <laughs> wow, yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. And just like that, we're into the second hour, everybody. Yeah? Just that easy. Top men make it possible. You make it possible, too. Big crowd tonight, anxiously anticipating the 2011 Memphis and May World Freaking Champion, Chris Lilly. Now, he was up, some, up against some stiff competition now. Maybe you've heard of Yazoo's Delta Q. Yeah, I'm sure you have. They won the whole thing last year. They were in the finals with our whole hog again. I mean, I wasn't there to taste everything, but that is some pretty stiff competition. Oh, man, did it again. How does that always happen to me? I mean, it just should, it just should always stop happening to me. Uh, so th- the three people that were down there in the finals of the whole thing, uh, each respectively getting their world championships in categories, and then Chris Lilly getting the overall championship uh, with his shoulder is really an accomplishment. Whenever you are able to win, win the Memphis in May world championship overall with something that isn't whole hog, in my estimation, whole hog has got to be much harder to cook than any of the other uh, two. Uh, well, out of all three categories, I think I'm safe in saying that whole hog requires a lot more expertise. It's got to be harder to cook than everything else. There's different everything that is also up on there. The ribs and the pork shoulders in the whole hog. Also loins, also hams, all that other stuff. So the fact that uh, Chris Lilly, Ken Hess, and the rest of the Big Bob Gibson team that was down there in Memphis was able to beat out such a venerable champion as Yazoo's Delta Q, Pete and Melissa Cookston, is saying a lot for the quality of the shoulder that showed up on the judging table and uh, for those judges that actually walk around and do the whole judging thing as well. So 
Very anxious to talk to Chris Lilly here in a couple minutes. Uh, also, stretching back all the way to the TV show, uh, I do think, as we were talking about Best in Smoke, it's going to be interesting to see what John Marcus puts together coming up here in the next couple weeks. And also, I think it's entertaining, at least to me, you have Chris Lilly in a show that is being executed now, but Chris Lilly is going to be in that John Marcus show as well. Chris and John do have uh, quite an esteemed history together, stemming all the way back from John Marks' first attempt at getting barbecue on television, which I believe at that point was in the Outdoor outdoor Living Network, OLN, Outdoor Life Network, whatever. I'm not an outdoor, uh, outdoor guy. Uh, I don't camp. I do not hunt, nor do I fish. Uh, but I will cook beef over live open flame and love it all day long, bitches. That's right. So, uh, it... it I, Chris will be judging the TV show that is up and coming for John Marcus. So uh, in my estimation, very cool to see him turn around as competitor getting judged on Best in Smoke, which is a horrific show. And then turn around and be the judge on what is, I think it's going to be the championship barbecue series, uh, whatever John Marcus is going to name it. By the way, programming note, next week we will have John Marcus on for two segments to talk about the show. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's go ahead and uh, lob a phone call over to Chris Lilly's side of the world. Very busy man, obviously a huge weekend. He's got all the restaurant responsibilities that are going on. Uh, You would recall, if you're any fan of the show, that we also uh, talked to Ken Hess a few weeks ago. So he was very amped up getting ready to go down to the Memphis and May competition. And uh, from all accounts, everything seemed to go very well for Team Big Bob Gibson. So let's head on over to the hotline and pick up a very good friend of the show. Always appreciate the time that he gives us uh, pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson, Chris Lilly. Chris, how are you, buddy? Chris. Hello. Hey, Chris. You're on. How are you? Uh, doing fantastic. How about you? <laughs> well, I, uh, I can't say that I'm probably doing better than you, given the events that happened this past weekend and everything else that you have going on. So, first of all, congratulations for retaking World Championship over there at Memphis and May. Uh, pardon me if I'm wrong, but this would make uh, three World Championships for you guys down in Memphis and May, right? Yes, it was, and it was a tough road back. It was one of those where, um, you know, we had a really good run, Um I think that started in maybe 1999 when we took our first place shoulder down there. We ran off six in a row, including two grand championships. But it's been, you know, it's uh, it's been tough getting back and and fighting back to the first place. So uh, um, we we started the event in 1997, I believe, was our first Memphis in May. Uh, Big Bob Gibson's has never finished out of the top ten, which is pretty cool, but. You know, you always want to make finals. You always want to put your meat up against the best three ribs, the best three hogs, and the other two shoulders, and and have this have the same judges judge them and compare them side by side to really see who has the best. Chris Lilly joining us here on the show. Chris, as you have had a couple of days away from it now, as you look back at how the weekend progressed, uh, this one specifically. Anything out of the ordinary that came up for Team Big Bob Gibsons that you had to contend with that you weren't planning on, or was it just business as usual for you guys? Uh, you know, definitely business as usual, but we actually changed something up this year. Um, again, we're t- we you know we took those years for granted back in the early uh, you know in the I guess early two thousands, um, and it, you know it was tough getting back in there. So yeah, we took it for granted and. Uh, <laughs> Last year, I was asking a friend, because uh, I think we finished uh, 
fourth, fifth, or sixth last year. I'm not even sure, to be honest with you. But uh, asking somebody, hey, why can't we break into the top three? You know, I want to get back to finals. And uh, we're talking a little bit about it. And I told him we just, you know, pulled our meat off the bone, put it in the box, and sent it in. And he said, well, what kind of glaze you did you put on it? And I said, well, we don't glaze our pork. We just pull it and put it in the box. And he says, you're the only one that doesn't glaze. So this year we actually glazed our pork at Memphis in May for the first time, turned it in, and it worked for us. So what do you, uh, when you make that, I guess, drastic of a change, something that you have never done before, now you're going to go ahead and give it a whirl this time, is it something that you sell as retail as far as the glaze is concerned, or is it something you make specific to competition? Um, you know, I think specific to competition, uh, you know, as far as that goes. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is we had to rely on friends that were out there cooking that uh, that knew what was going on there. You know, Big Bob Gibson's, we just cook about two contests a year. Every now and then we'll sneak uh, sneak another one in. So, you know, part of my win goes back to, uh, you know, talking around at friends to run the cir- that run the circuit and, you know, just letting us know what's going on out there because, you know, we have, we have no idea. So uh, that little tidbit of information helps. Um, I do, though, carry a lot that I learn in competition back to the restaurant. Um, that is where all of our dry rub applications have come to. You know, Big Bob Gibson used to just season his pork with salt in the restaurant. So um, out of competitions, we have some fantastic dry rubs now that we put on our ribs, our whole pork shoulder, our beef brisket, our turkey. Uh, we run about four different dry rubs in the kitchen of, at Big Bob Gibson's. When you go to Memphis and May, Chris, some teams will go with just the intention. And I think it's unique with the Memphis style. Obviously, Memphis and May is its own standalone contest. It's not technically integrated with Memphis Barbecue Network anymore. But it is, in many aspects, the same thing. You have those three categories. You have the option of just entering in and cooking ribs or just pork shoulder or just whole hog, if you could say just whole hog. Uh, do you guys uh, multi-categorize, or you just stick with the shoulders and you're you're gonna kind of dance with what brought you? Well, at the World Championship at Memphis in May, it, it, there's three professional categories: the ribs, the whole hog, hog, and shoulder. And you can only just you can only cook one. You don't have a choice at cooking all three. Now you can at the MBN Circuit competition. Okay. You could cook all three, but the big contest, you pick your best category. And you cook it, and our best category obviously is shoulder. Uh, but I will tell you this: uh, we are toying with the idea of switching categories next year and maybe going to ribs. I don't know that that will happen because it's going to be tough for us to walk away from shoulders. But uh, um, we, I think, we have a really dynamic rib now, and I, I definitely want to try to show it off in co- a competition. Chris Lilly joining us from Big Bob Gibson's 2011 Memphis and May World Champions. Chris, I was just going to ask you that. If you've been doing shoulder for this whole time, you've been very successful at it, and obviously you've just confirmed it, You know, where does it start to tinker in the back of your mind that you might consider switching categories and getting something that would obviously be kind of completely outside of the comfort zone, specific to this competition. Obviously, if you're cooking other ones, you're probably cooking a number of different categories as well. But I mean, that's a pretty big step to take. Well, it's 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 there. The idea there is there. The thoughts are there. Um, I want to try it, but it's just it's it's not only my decision. I have to get uh, the whole team behind me on this. Uh, it's something that we're thinking about. 
As a matter of fact, um, the week before Memphis, uh, myself and Ken Hess went up to Louisville um, just for invitational rib competitions just to see how our ribs would stack up as with some of the better KCBS cooks. So uh, we went up there specifically for that reason, to put our our rib against uh, you know some fantastic cooks out there just to see how it stack up. Again, we don't get out and cook much. Uh, so every once in a while, you know, I, I definitely love to get feedback, and I thought that was a great uh, contest where we could go up there uh, and, and get some good feedback about our ribs. How did you finish out there? Uh, we ended up winning that competition. Hey, so uh, ribs obviously doing pretty well then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pushing for ribs. Um, I like ribs. I want to. I want to. Yeah, I, I, we'll see how it goes, but. Um, the good thing is, I think you know, uh, going into events like the American Royal or Jack Daniels now, um, you know, with our pork, I think our pork is there. Uh, very happy with our ribs, and if you look back over the you know last several years, uh, brisket has probably been our most consistent category in KCBS. Um, it, it comes now. We have to start working on our chicken. <laughs> Which is uh, which is sometimes laughable. <laughs> so let me ask you a question there, Chris. Let, let me ask you about that because it seems no matter what the sanctioning body, if especially if obviously they're turning in chicken at some point during the contest, and I talk to a lot of KCBS pitmasters on the show, it seems almost to a man holding a very slim few that chicken is the most inconsistent or category that they'll do very well at for a certain period of time then it quickly falls off and it's very hard to recover from to get it back up to winning par why do you think that is i have absolutely no idea but you're exactly right you know we won uh we won chicken at the american royal in the open uh one year and uh since then you know we just haven't been able to get back on track and it's and that's tough to do cooking Cooking just the American Royal, just one KCBS contest a year, it's, it's tough to go a year and then jump back in and expect to know what the judges are going on with the judges. So I think that's been our biggest difficulty, um, uh, you know, not knowing what the judges are looking for on chicken. It's been tough for us to, to figure it out, you know. Maybe one day we will, but uh, we're still searching. All right, Chris, so as we look back on this past weekend, you obviously did well enough to get into the finals and you look at the teams that you're stacked up against that these judges are now going to choose over to be ultimate grand champion, you're face-to-face with one of the hottest teams out there in Memphis Barbecue Network, quite frankly, one of the hottest teams out there on the competition circuit uh, for the last couple of years, regardless of sanctioning body, that being uh, Pete and Melissa Cookston from Yazoo's Delta Q. They won it last year. Uh, they are team of the year for Memphis Barbecue Network a number of years are you confident in the turn-in and that you have a shot at winning it? Are you happy just to return back to the finals, like you said? What was the mindset as things were starting to really build into who was going to get announced? No, we we when we make finals, we're you know we're definitely there to try to win the whole thing. Um, I'll tell you this though, um, and during the final presentation, and, and uh, you know you really just you you really have to just be concerned with yourself. You know the other. I know Melissa's going to come through. I know her hog's going to be outstanding. Uh, I've got to worry about myself, though. Uh, you know, I got to put a put uh, you know a fantastic pork shoulder in front of the judges. 
And I'll tell you this, my final shoulder that I cooked was without a doubt the best shoulder I cooked that day, better than all of our preliminary shoulders. Um, it, it it just worked. It was it was solid. It was definitely a solid shoulder. Um, I knew Melissa's hog. I have the utmost respect for her. She does a fantastic job. I knew her hog was going to be there. Um, I all I could do was make sure that I put the best shoulder that I could possibly put in front of the judges. So in that regard, I'm com- when I cook a shoulder and I taste a shoulder and break it down, I'm com- competing against, in my mind, all of the shoulders I've cooked in competition before. I want to be, I want, I want to put as, as good a shoulder as I've ever put out in competition to the judges. If I do that, I'm happy regardless of where, it, where whether it finishes first, second, or third. If I do my job, then you know let let the judges decide. Chris Lilly joining us from Big Bob Gibson's. They just won the World Championship of Barbecue for Memphis in May for 2011. Chris, for the people that don't know, uh, the Memphis and May, they obviously have that blind judging area like you would be used to in any type of KCBS arena, but then they also have the on-site judging. And I wonder, you know, you've spent a decent amount of uh, time on television here over the last uh, handful of years in certain different aspects. When it's time for the judges to come on-site to you, does the TV experience and having kind of that pressure uh, sense being put on you with cameras and you know hitting your marks and doing all this other stuff that you've garnered with television, has that helped you hone and craft the presentation for the judges, or is it a completely different atmosphere regardless? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I imagine some of that has helped, uh, you, know, it, you know, even if it's subconsciously. Um, just being in front of people and, you know, having so many people right outside our fence watching the presentation. Um, there are a lot of people there and a lot of cameras. Um, but the main thing I'm thinking about when a judge comes in is I'm, I want to be totally open and honest with them. I tell the judge exactly what we do uh, from start to finish. Um, it's a subject that I'm very comfortable with, and I think that's the main thing when you're doing a presentation uh, for Memphis in May. Uh, if you know barbecue, if you know your barbecue and your style and you're completely confident in that, um, then it's it's easy. It's really easy presentation. Um, um, and I'll tell the judges straight up that uh, this is my style, this is the way I do things. You know, uh, you know, it may differ for somebody else, but it's the best way to go for me. This is what I do. And I start from the very uh, from the raw product. Tell them uh, how I choose my pork. Uh, go from injections to dry rubs to times to temperatures to fuel to everything that takes me start to finish wood selection. I go through the whole process. Uh, I basically try to answer the judges' questions before before they ask them. Uh, I tell them everything, and and you know it's something I know. I know barbecue, and anybody that that. Uh, cooks at a high level at Memphis in May and those those contests should be the same way. If you know your style and how you do it and if you know barbecue, just tell the judge. That's all you have to do. So having made it back to the finals now, as you said, you were out of it for a number of years. Uh, was there any kind of that, that new nerves of anxiousness and stuff as the onside judging was about to happen or you just fall right back into the old, you know, it's game time and, and we're here to win this thing? Um, 
you know, I guess it's, I guess game time. Yeah, just game time. Let's just, you know, let's just go go with it. I was definitely confident in the shoulder. And you really you really know what you got as soon as you start breaking into the shoulder and, and, and feeling it. If you've broke down enough shoulders in your life, once you start breaking it down, you know how good it is. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just game time. Just, uh, just, just go with the flow. All right, so what other competitions are you going to be doing this year, Chris? Uh, we've got a lot of great things coming up. Uh, this weekend I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'm doing um, a seminar on Friday at the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. Uh, it is how, how to make a dry rub and seasoning. Uh, it's very interactive. I'm going to teach the people how to make their own, and they'll get to take, take home samples. So that's this weekend. Coming up I've got uh, Big Apple Barbecue Block Party the second weekend in uh, first weekend in June, I will be in Kansas City. I'm doing a, uh, a catering for NASCAR. It's a Friday evening for the uh, NASCAR owners and drivers. That'll be a pretty cool event. Wow, absolutely. Um, I've got some stuff on TV coming up. We've got the last <laughs> two episodes of Best in Smoke on the Food Network. Um, it's uh, 8 o'clock Central Time, and I've made it this far. I've got two, two more episodes I've got to try to make it through, and uh, maybe we will. Big Ken Hess is with me. He was my partner during the show. Fantastic barbecue. Um, and then let's see, May 28th, you've got to check out a show on CBS, first primetime hour-long barbecue show. Um, I say primetime on a major network. It's not primetime. It's Saturday afternoon. That'll be a cool show, Ultimate Barbecue Showdown. I'm actually judging that show that that uh, I'm really looking forward to that, and I think if you're a barbecue, you'll you'll be be able to look at that show and appreciate it. Um, best thing I ever ate uh, coming to Big Bob Gibson, showcasing not oh. our pork, not our chicken with white sauce, but they're showcasing our turkey. That'll be May 30th, and um, well, let's see. <laughs> That's, is that it? That's a pretty good bit <laughs> over the next couple months. Yeah, so. you're going to be uh, jam-packed aside from all the other responsibilities that you have. Chris, uh, if I could, I uh, wanted to ask you about Best in Smoke. Um, I was talking about it in the uh, first part of the first hour. Uh, I just uh, caught up on both episodes. Uh, as you said, you have two more left. And then we have the new barbecue show. I mean, you're a competitor in Best in Smoke. You're going to be a judge on the Ultimate Barbecue Showdown. Uh, and it's with somebody that you have uh, some pretty good history with, that being John Marcus, who I'll actually be talking with next week about that show upcoming. Uh, kind of a nice setup. Great time to do it, obviously, Memorial Day weekend, when a lot of people actually start whatever a grilling or barbecue season is for those uh, people out there. But how did you feel as you're watching it back now? Because it, post-production and editing and all this stuff is completely different than probably how it all went down for a, a good amount of it uh, for this Best in Smoke series. But as you're watching it back now, uh, two two shows out for the general public to see, how do you think they did with it? Well, uh, you know, I signed up for Best in Smoke. I was thinking, you know, Best in Smoke, it's a barbecue show. We're going to get <laughs> a little bit different than than what I what I thought it would be when I signed up. You know, I think the first episode we spent about 21 hours on set. I mean, this was it was grueling. It was actually it was brutal uh, what we went through. Um, but you know, it it actually brought the contestants really close together. So usually in a competition show, you have a lot of uh, 
you know, you have a lot of uh, people digging at each other, and you got you get a lot of tension. People competing for that much money, but um, all the contestants on that show actually got along great, almost too good. So um, it was a fun show to do as far as hanging out with them, but the schedule was absolutely grueling, and uh, and and demanding both mentally and physically. It's um, it's nice to see you guys on television, uh, you know, at least the people that I have talked to in the past uh, and, and see some new people get some face time on the television. Do you think it's helping grow the word of barbecue in the right way? Uh, you know, that, that's a tough question. And I think a lot of people that get overlooked are, are the um, people in the mom-and-pop restaurants on the, you know, on the roadside that – that are really the true pit masters that uh, that work at it day in and day out, uh, you know, burning down wood and shoveling coal and, and, and really putting out a fantastic product. So it's, you know, you know, I think a lot of barbecue nowadays, you know, the people look at television or look at the people cooking the contests and say, hey, that's barbecue, when, when they really should appreciate more of their, you know, their hometown cook. Um, a little bit more, um, but with that said, I think uh, any kind of attention to barbecue uh, gives us a chance to um, to um, you know you know put the art out there for everybody and really get a chance to put it in front of everybody. You know whether it's somebody come going to a contest and, and and getting enthused about it or watching television, whether it be Best in Smoke or any of the Pit Masters or any other barbecue shows we've done over the over the years. Um, I think, and this is what I hope, I hope a show will come along that uh, will really get some legs under it, no matter who the cast is. But if it is successful, um, it would give a lot more people within the barbecue world a chance to get on and, and showcase what they do. So, uh, you know, a lot, you look at a lot of these shows and, and you see the same people over and over again, and that's got to get a little, you know, old or frustrating, you know, to some of the people that, that want to showcase. But I'm just hoping that, that one day that this will catch, and I think it will. You know, maybe it will be the show on CBS, could be Food Network. I just don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to happen, and when that does it's going to give the uh, give the podium to a lot more people in barbecue, and that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, you've been in TV quite a bit now in many different aspects, Chris. Is there an ingredient missing to this? Is it a network thing? Is it somebody trying to make something out of it that it isn't? Or, and I hate to say this, uh, but this is the contrarian me, is potentially competition barbecue as much as we love it and i'm a guy that doesn't even compete i just like having almost like a sports radio talk show dedicated to competition barbecue uh, for a certain aspect and having you guys and, and picking your brains and see what it's all about and helping all the other backyard barbecuers getting some insight to all this could it not be as tv friendly as we hope and want it to be I think it could be. Um, take, for instance, this show that is coming up on uh, CBS. If you look at that and look at the format of that and look back to the original series that we did on OLN, mm-hmm. which was the All-Star Barbecue Showdown, and that was three competitors, two barbecue categories, 
and three judges blind judging. Um, and it focused on process. It focused on how to. It focused on characters as well, but it also fo focused on what they cooked on. Okay, you're going to see a lot of similarities okay. in this new show that is coming on. Um, and I think a lot of times um, the networks will look at all the competition shows out there, whether they be barbecue or not, and um, think, well, that is working. That's what we have to make this show. So a lot of shows that started out uh, clean and crisp have almost... You know, once the network puts their hand on it, some you know sometimes you know in my opinion it doesn't go the wrong uh, the right way. Chris Lilly joining us, he's the pitmaster of Big Bob Gibson's competition cooking team, and of course they just won the Memphis and May World Championship with their shoulder, but maybe next year could be efforting with some ribs. Uh, Chris, I know I kept you right, or, or the whole hog now. Don't, don't oh, get left that. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, I may switch gears. Me and Melissa may switch. How about that, Melissa? You listening? That's right. It's a, a throwdown challenge. Chris will do whole hog if you do uh, shoulder or ribs next year, Melissa. There you go. Yeah, not, <laughs> Barbecue Central Radio Show exclusive right here. Chris, I know I kept you over a little bit, uh, but it's always great to catch up with you and continue success with everything that you have going on, especially with the TV show that uh, John Marcus has coming up here in about a week and a half, and hopefully we can talk to you soon. Hey, great show. And one last thing. I definitely want to thank everybody who have, has shown me so much love over the last few uh, days after the Memphis and May win. I've had such crazy response. It's really difficult for me to get back to everybody with with Facebook and emails and text, and it's just absolutely crazy on my end. But let me apologize and let me tell everybody a big thank you. All right, Chris, congratulations again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, there he is. It's Chris Lilly. You know him. Class act, man. Sorry. Sorry for having people with class acts on the show. Do you hate that? All right. We're not done yet. Oh, no. We're not done yet, mister. We're going to raise right up and go to... Oh, this is going to ring before I catch it. No. Oh, good. It didn't. Hey, I'm a master of disaster. All right. Again, uh, if you want to check out the website, by the way, it's BigBobGibson.com. That's Chris Lilly's website for the restaurant. And, of course, they are now the current world champions as it comes to Memphis and May. There's a few different world championships these days. Uh, but, nevertheless, we'll head on over the hotline. Pick up our last guest of the evening, but certainly one of the more interesting ones that I've had on the show recently. It's Fred Gross from Mojo Bricks. Fred, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Well, you got it, Fred. Uh, certainly my pleasure to have you on. appreciate you making the time out and actually bumping back there for uh, Chris Lilly talking a little Memphis in May and some TV shows. Uh, Fred, have you been watching any of the Best in Smoke, by the way? Unfortunately, I haven't had the time. Yeah, good. Well, trust me, you're not missing anything. Uh, anyway, uh, Fred is uh, with a company called Mojo Bricks. So for the people that didn't take advantage of the newsletter that I sent out this afternoon, uh, efforting them to get over to the website to see what we're talking about, give us a little background, A, uh, about yourself personally, Fred, kind of you know where you're at business-wise, if you've always been a person that's been into this whole barbecue and grilling thing, and how this whole Mojo Brick thing, what it is and how it comes about. Well, that's uh, sound, uh, let me start from the beginning. I uh, 
I got into the business in 07, uh, doing the dense wood. I'm, I'm wondering, can can I get a call back? I got an echo in my phone. <laughs> yeah, hold on one second. I'll give you a call right back. <laughs> my God, I can't put together a sentence. What the hell's going on? Just tell me you got an echo. That's all right. We'll pick you right back up. Freaking cell phones, man. We're lobbing a phone call back to Fred Gross from Mojo. All right, Fred, how is this? Is it, you have uh, you have an echo? I'm good to go now. I hope. All right. I, I was I was wondering if you had been uh, dipping into Grandma's little cough medicine there prior to us getting you on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. We're fine. I uh, I can answer your question that you asked before: how I got into barbecue or how I got started in the in the wood business and and uh, start there. Yeah. Um, Back in back in '07, I heard about wood pellets for the first time. Uh, a lot of listeners will know about the pellet grills and that sort of thing. That was the first time I'd ever heard of a wood pellet, and uh, started looking into that side of the business, uh, doing some market research. And somewhere around February of 2008, I came across a, a, a bigger wood pellet. It's, a, it's basically a a pellet that's not extruded like uh, wood pellets are for grilling, but rather compressed and molded. Um, and typically these pellets, uh, we call them bricks, and on our side, uh, they're dense. It's dense wood is what it's called, and they're typically six inches long and about three inches thick, and they look just like a brick you put in your sidewalk. So uh, got into uh, buying these things and then reselling them, um, and back in uh, in the spring of '08, you just kind of fell in love with the whole concept, huh? Yeah, uh, at the time I was going through some changes in my life. I was in between jobs. Uh, didn't have, I was staying at a friend's house, kind of sleeping on the couch. Didn't have a whole lot of money to my name, and I was looking for uh, change. And uh, that's how I got to. Um, uh, to the dense wood and got into the pellet business. And uh, uh, we, the first thing we did was kind of unique. We went and collected raw materials, anything that we could figure out that might make a good barbecue smoking product. We ended up collecting coffee grounds at all the local area coffee uh, restaurants, you know, the Starbucks of the world. Uh, I collected about maybe, I don't know, three, four tons of the stuff. Uh, placing it in garbage bags and putting it in my car, and then I'd drive it up to a guy who made pellets up in Michigan, and we'd, we'd make these coffee pellets. Uh, and turned out that uh, the best use for them is making uh, uh, stuff you... Uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name. Uh, St. Patrick's Day. What do you cook on St. Patrick's Day? Uh, Corn beef. Yeah, right. So you cook you you smoke corned beef with coffee pellets. That's the best use for them. <laughs> that seems completely outlandish, I suppose. Yeah, and nobody wants to buy coffee pellets. So <laughs> we moved from coffee pellets to uh, to wood uh, pretty quickly. It took us about eight months to figure out there's no market for coffee pellets. So we ended up with the wood brick and... Uh, started in the home heating market. We improved upon the packaging that was in the marketplace. Uh, started making a four-pack, and we still have an eight-pack. 
and picked up some large accounts, uh, started marketing the, the four-pack to the Midwesterners. You have to understand that wood bricks, this, this form of, of uh, home heating fuel, has been around in one shape or another since the late 1800s. It's been wow. here. It's been in use. It just hasn't become popular until a guy by the name of Tom Angle brought the wood, the dense wood brick back from Europe in 2005, and he started manufacturing them in Connecticut, and that's really where America got its start. So it, the, the dense wood brick that I currently sell, which is a barbecue brick, uh, which is a wood smoke grilling brick, uh, uh, hadn't been around since until 2005 in America. Now, my barbecue wood is a lot different than what you'd buy to put in your home to heat with. Yeah, I was just going to say, from what I understand, especially since uh, the wood pellet uh, home uh, stoves to heat your house have been around for quite a while now, uh, that you can use, well, just plain and simple, it's a difference between what you're heating your home with pellet-wise and what you're going to be putting in a cooker to eat with as far as if it's FDA compliant, if it's safe to cook with. Uh, however, you can use what you're going to cook with your uh, food in your in your heating stove if you wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the wood pellet on the wood pellet side, I don't recommend you taking home heating wood pellets and running them through your pellet grill. Um, the main difference in the pellet world is you have different sizes of pellets. You have uh, fines in pellets. Um, the quality of pellet, a lot of times, if, if stores, uh, some of the big box stores might leave them out in the yard. Uh, they might leave them outside. That's going to affect them in your pellet grill. You know, and, and people that have pellet grills, they understand that, you know, things break down. Um, the main difference between our pellet, the giant pellet, the Mojo brick pellet, and, say, a, a wood pellet is when you use our our brick, our Mojo brick, uh, there's no need for electricity. There's no need for any moving parts. You use it like you would firewood or, uh, you know, wood splits or uh, charcoal. So how big is this wood brick, and if I'm going to, because I'm under the impression that if I got a pallet of uh, the Mojo bricks, I could use it in place of the wood that I'm getting from my local uh, orchard, from the apple orchard or whatever that I'm using in my offset cooker, I could instead substitute Mojo bricks for the wood that I would be buying from an orchard or from other some firewood purveyor. Correct. So um, what, we, what we instruct people on is the first time you use our product, uh, we tell folks, you know, let's just say, let's say you're using a stick burner. Let's say you're using something that uh, consumes quite a bit of wood uh, or maybe, I don't know, 40, you know, how many, four bags of charcoal, four, so 40-pound bags or mm-hmm. 40 pounds of charcoal, and you use that to get your uh, stick burner up to speed, you know, up to temperature. Um, we instruct folks, do it the same way you'd normally would, and then add maybe one or two bricks to maintain the temperature and see how your smoker reacts to, to the one or two bricks added. Now, going back to the question, which was, you know, how much was the question, how much wood versus, because here's what we say. If you buy, let's say you buy a four by four by eight. Mm-hmm. So that's a full cord of wood. Yep. A full cord of firewood is equivalent to one pallet of my product. So that 4x4x8 pile of wood takes up a lot of space. It takes up a 4x4x8 space, whereas our wood 
is going to be 40 inches, 48, 48 inches long, 40 inches wide, and three feet tall. So it's literally reducing the space that you store the wood in by more than half. It produces more energy than that firewood, specifically because you have 5% moisture in the mojo brick wood versus uh, 20% in a firewood uh, that's been uh, well-seasoned. And then because of its density, it's a very dense wood, there's no wasted energy. It just burns uh, for a very long period of time. So the benefit of using my product is a convenience factor, plus it's a... Uh, it's convenience and it's you can dial in the temperature in your smoker with these things because it's symmetrical in size. It's the same thing each time, and when you put it in, you can you can do things systematically with your wood, uh, similar to say charcoal. So would you say, I mean, what's the type of, uh, and it's probably different depending on how much air you have coming over it, but if I was using a stick burner and I was trying to keep it around, you know, 250, 275 degrees, am I getting, typically when I'm adding in a stick uh, or when I'm using an offset, I'm usually throwing on a log, let's say every 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes, depending on if the sun is hitting it right and depending on what kind of temperature it is outside. What kind of a burn time in between would I have to be coming back and adding again every hour just like I would now, or am I going to be able to press out? It, the, it's typically two to one. So if you're burning, let's just say you put your split in there every hour, you would put a motor brick in there every two hours. You're going to reduce your consumption of whatever you're using by half when you start using motor bricks. Uh, that's the basis of our product, more or less. Um, it's a two-to-one in almost every application. Um, you know, I like to talk a little bit about charcoal versus mojo bricks, whereas charcoal burns clean once you get it up, you know, get it up to the white hole, hole part. You have to wait that whole time for it to get to that point, whereas mojo bricks, as soon as they catch fire, as soon as they're lit, you can start cooking over them. Um, so there's an advantage with that. But also, charcoal is a clean burn. Uh, and uh, the Mojibrick product is more of a, a clean burn, plus you get the wood uh, aroma in, in your cook. And it's a, typically it's a clean blue smoke and, and very little uh, smoke coming out when you have them uh, cooking, you know, as, as they're burning properly in your, in your wood burner. Are you getting them ignited similar as you would to charcoal, or how do you actually get them up to speed there? Well, that is one aspect of, of our wood. It is difficult to light. Uh, it's a very, it's, it's very hard wood. I mean, it's, when you see these things, our, we have a new, our newest product is cherry. And our cherry product is, is very unique to the dense wood world. When you buy the home heating dense wood, uh, there's a couple of brands out there, EcoBricks, uh, BioBricks, um, when you buy that type of home heating fuel and you burn it, it expands. It will literally butterfly out. The, the wood expands as it burns. My barbecue wood does the opposite. It doesn't expand. It actually uh, turns like into like charcoal, uh, and it gets smaller and smaller. Um, now I forgot the question. What was the question? How do you get it lit? Oh, I would simply uh, 
you can add Arbrick's right to the hot coals and they'll light on fire. Or you can put them uh, in a TP formation and light them with newspaper or use a fire starter. What I do not recommend you do is use a, a petroleum liquid like a briquette fuel. I don't recommend that because the wood will absorb that uh, petroleum uh, fuel and you'll smell it the entire time the wood's burning. Oh, that would be the worst. But so, none of us would ever use a petroleum-based accelerant when we're starting our wood because we've taught everybody correctly here on the show. That's absolutely correct. Uh, so what kind of uh, flavors of Mojo Bricks do you have to choose from? We currently have maple, red oak, which we call Fred Oak, uh, and then we have uh, the cherry product. Are there plans or are there... Is there the ability, I'm sure there's plans, but is there the ability to get into um, apple and hickory and all the other more traditional hardwoods for uh, barbecue? There certainly are. We're currently testing hickory. Um, one of the things that we did with, with the Mojbrick products is we tested each. Uh, um, we tested hickory, cherry, and uh, maple and red oak first. Uh, the hickory is a little bit more difficult to to bring to the marketplace. Uh, one of the things that we really work hard at is the quality of the product. Uh, make sure that it that it does everything we want it to. And and the second thing that we're doing is we have to find the raw materials uh, to be sure that we're going to have enough if we luck into a you know a national account somewhere that wants to put it on on shelves and you know seventeen or eighteen hundred stores or, or things like that. So uh, we do have capacity to make the cherry, um, the maple, and the red oak right now. So uh, not only is the product up to speed with quality, but we have capacity. So, you know, the hickory is proven to be a little bit more difficult. We will eventually have a pecan and mesquite. Um, The one thing about our business is it's recycled wood. So we're going out to milling industries, companies that make wood floors or room handles or things like this, and we're collecting that sawdust um, and wood shavings to make our products. So, uh, you know, there is a side to it that is, you know, sustainable. Uh, I think eventually we'd end up being similar to uh, some of the large uh, charcoal companies out there that have gone to uh, actual production uh, to keep up with demand. That would be a nice problem to have, I suppose. Fred Gross, uh, Fred Gross joining us from Mojo Bricks, and the website is Mojo Brick. Is it Mojo Brick or Mojo Bricks dot com? Uh, with an S, Mojo Bricks dot com. Mojo Bricks dot com. Uh, Fred, you had mentioned you know getting some bigger accounts, stuff like that. Who's buying from you right now? Who are some of the big clients that you have? Well, we you know we worked with uh, this past fall. We put our home heating product into the Ace Harbor stores out here in Chicago. We had about eighty stores on board. Um, also, Family Express and other. Uh, convenience store gas station, uh, about 55 stores in Indiana. Uh, and then we, we've continued to uh, try and find, you know, other stores nationwide. So that's an ongoing goal. However, here's the thing. I mean, since we started with our home heating wood three years ago, we literally from day one said, hey, we got to make a barbecue wood. So this barbecue wood, this, this wood smoke grilling wood, it's only been out for 30 days, uh, not even. So we're really just getting started with the the grilling wood. So, you know, dealers are welcome to give us a call if you own a, a, a mom-and-pop shop barbecue, uh, you know, store. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about our product. 
Um, you know, it is brand new. It is unique. Uh, nobody else has it. So, you know, it's a tough road to tow in this economy, but it, it really is a good product. And I, I should tell you that uh, one of our teams jacked up barbecue. Uh, Matt Ragusa out of uh, Farmingdale, New Jersey, took first place in brisket and first place in pork using our cherry bricks this past weekend at uh, Napper Q and, uh, in Annapolis, Maryland. So definitely uh, I mean, they're being tested out there out. in the uh, competition circuit, and they're proving out to be a, a very uh, valuable commodity. Yeah, it's a good product. Uh, it's it's really it's simple to use. It's straightforward. It's consistent. Every time you use it, it's going to produce the exact same results. It gives you you know it gives you a great smoke ring. Um, the flavor is great, and it smells just like wood. So. You know, it's it's everything you want it to be. Uh, it's just a little bit more convenient. Um, and, you know, once we get it into the marketplace, it, it will drive the price point down, and that's what everybody wants. So so what are we looking at? I mean, what are we buying if people went to mojobricks.com? Are they able to buy online? Do they have to have a dealer buy them? How can people get their hands on this? You can you can buy it. Currently, you can go through our website. Um, you can find the Fred Oak and our home heating product and also maple at amazon.com. But you can also get, if you want to get the cherry, you have to go through our website. Um, we do have a guy out in Vegas. Uh, you can find him through our website uh, at where to buy. There's a contact there. He'll be at this weekend's uh, competition in Las Vegas. And his name is Pete Knight. So, you know, check out our website and find him if you're going out to that show. Otherwise, uh, just go through our website for now and, uh, keep checking back for dealers that will pop up in locations near you. How are you going to be buying these bricks as a consumer if they're hitting up your website? Do I have to buy eight at a time? Am I buying a quarter of a pallet or what? Yeah, we're doing uh, – it's more of a intro special. You get uh, about 20 pounds of product. It's actually – it's $15, but we're doing a – it's it comes out to be like $35 to ship it. So we're doing a flat rate box. Um, I say 20 pounds. When you buy cherry, I'm telling you, you're going to get no less than 20 pounds. We typically try and shove as many bricks in there as we can. So uh, it's, typically you're going to get more than 20 pounds. I know I shipped a package today. It was like I don't know how many extra pieces I was able to get into it, but I know it was over 23 pounds or something. So um, we're trying to give out as much as we can uh, until we can get it into the marketplace. When, uh, when that happens, everybody will be able to get it for the same price. All right, uh, so it's so, something that you're uh, hoping, uh, I guess, you know, through uh, grassroots movements, and uh, you know, I'm seeing through some of the instant chat here. You got a guy on the West Coast, uh, Neil Strauder, who was using it, and I guess the more word of mouth that you're getting through some of the competition scenes, uh, as well as, I guess, getting in onto the shelves more and more regionally, and as, as that expands. Do you toil with the ideas of potentially approaching a Costco or a BJ's or a Home Depot, possibly getting on the shelf, or is that still too big for you guys to handle? Oh, absolutely not. We actually have right now. I don't want to give it up because I've been in sales too long. Um, <laughs> we do have, yeah, we do have an account that has more than five thousand stores looking at it. So wow. um, we can produce, yeah, we can produce uh, a million packages. I mean, we can handle that. I mean, we're we have our system set up so that, uh, you know, once we get going with product and into the West Coast, so 
Um, it's just, you, you gotta start, you gotta crawl before you can, can even walk. And, uh, uh, so that's where we're at. I mean, it's a great product. It works extremely well. Um, you know, guys have been using it for quite some time, testing it. And now that it's, you know, finally out there available, um, we're getting, you know, great feedback from people using it. So, you know, take a look around in your forums, uh, ask your friends if they've tried it. Uh, and then, you know, hit us up and maybe I'll talk to you, uh, Greg, maybe we can do a coupon through your, through your radio program or something and sure. give your uh, listeners an opportunity to uh, get it at a, at, a, at a better rate. Sure. Absolutely. Centralites always love getting a deal. And we're talking with Fred Gross from Mojo Bricks. Again, the website is mojobricks.com. And Fred, whenever you're ready to, to do that deal uh, promo wise, uh, or if you happen to get out in this area in the town and you want to stop in and sit in on the show one time, certainly love to have you. Uh, so good luck with the bricks. We'll follow up with you again soon. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you for having Mojo Bricks. You Thanks got it. Mojobricks.com. It's Fred Gross, baby. All right, so I know Neil Strauder is using them. Obviously, they're did uh, pretty well over in New... Man, did he say New Jersey competition? Whatever. Uh, Neil, instant chat, instant feedback. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate the product and answer now? We'll wait for your uh, answer here. Better still be in the room, Neil. Come on, Neil. Neil. Oh, boy. Neil, dude, you can't be in the room and not get back to me when I'm asking you for instant feedback. You've used them for crying out loud. You're banned from the show. Too late. It's too late. You had to think between 1 and 10? 9.5. Discard. uh, Hold on a second here. I'm going to remove that post. Removed. Nobody can see your rating, Neil. You were too late. You're off the charts. Oh, look at you. Big guy. No, honestly, uh, is it uh, is it that is it that big of a win? Uh, you know, because nine nine point five out of ten is a huge score, regardless of whatever we're talking about. In all honesty, now, uh, so this is actually giving you exactly what it says. And uh, is this something that you would go to in place of charcoal, or will you be using it in conjunction with charcoal all, all the time? Yeah, I know there's a delay, by the way. How big of a delay? Oh, no. Long lag. All right. Neil, I apologize. Sorry about that. I think it's uh, delayed. You know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. I think we're going to try this one time. And uh, everybody that is here, there's like uh, 20 people, uh, and there's another uh, 15 or 20 on the audio side only. What about if I could, I didn't say honestly, I said honestly for crying out loud. What if everybody on board, get ready to answer here, no matter how delayed I am. Because I think the longer delay on Ustream right now is coming over for the fact that I'm also simulcasting live and direct to the Outdoor Cooking Channel. 
Thanks to Kevin Bevington for that, OutdoorCookingChannel.com. What if we move the video portion of the show uh, over to Kevin's side only? And that way you can go to Kevin's site. Uh, Maybe I can embed a player on uh, BCRN as well. Uh, But he's got a chat thing over there, I believe, so you guys can still interact. Maybe I can pop it out, and and I don't have to go all the way in to see what you guys are saying. Maybe it's better if I don't even see what you guys are saying, to be quite honest. So, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Breaking news. From Clint Cantwell, smoking the eye, just telling me now that Osama bin Laden is dead. What? What? When did that happen? That's outrageous. Yeah! When did we get him? When did we get him? Man! It's like the longest game of hide-and-seek ever. Wow. Hold on a second. I gotta get my, uh, I gotta get my remote control. Turn on the television. Where's that CNN when you need it? Wait a second. All right. Look, I'm just asking. What do you think? Uh, can we move over or not? I think it's worth a try because my audio stream was having terrible feed issues tonight. But I think I'm just pushing too much up. And my internet service doesn't really have a big upstream. What can I say? Big upstream. (laughs) Oh, how it does sound homoerotic. Anyway, that's going to do it. Mojobricks.com. Fred Gross was talking to us about those. Got to tell you. They sound very intriguing, even just for, like, fire pit. Does anybody have a fire pit? I have a fire pit. Quarter 69. Where is my wine-infused oak wood? Dude, I merely put supporter of a giveaway and you guys in connection. I'm just a middleman. Email Greenleaf Barbecue directly. Or email me... And then I'll email Tim. That's why I'm doing away with giveaways. I don't have the stuff here. It's not my stuff. Jealous bastard. Anyway, Mojo Bricks. Check them out. I would love to hear your feedback on Mojo Bricks as well. Send me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Also, thanks to Chris Lilly. He is the current winner, reigning world champion of Memphis in May 2011. That took place this past weekend. What an on shoulder. They might be switching to ribs or whole hog. Whole hog. That was Ted Knight, by the way. Also, thanks to Meathead for joining me in the first hour talking about hamburgers. John Marcus on tap next week for two segments in the first hour to talk about the new Ultimate Barbecue Showdown. Ultimate Barbecue Showdown. We'll take your calls. Bust his balls. He's ready to take it. He's an Emmy Award-winning producer, ready to hang with the Centralites again. But until then, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Say it with me now. Good night now.